Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.wordpress.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. It's been a long time, hasn't it, since I recorded an episode? It may have been quite a long time since you listened to me talking to you. Well, I thought that uh, since I had a brief bit of time, a brief bit of spare time that I'd quickly record something, stick it on the internet so that you can download it and listen to it. I don't really have any particular agenda for this episode. I'm just talking to you just to let you know that I'm still alive. I'm still here. My voice is still working. My brain is still working. My head is still attached to my body and it's all working fine. I still exist, and Luke's English Podcast is very much alive uh, and kicking, all right? So that's that's the main point for this one, is just to say hello and uh, just hold on for a little bit longer because new episodes will arrive soon. Now, I've been a bit quiet recently for a number of reasons. Um, If you visited my website recently, you will have noticed that there was a, a letter on there. I wrote a letter to all of you in which I explained that for example I hadn't recorded an episode recently because my voice was um, was in bad condition I had a cold I caught the flu and it gave me a very bad throat and I lost my voice and so I was going to speak like that oh hello everybody and that's no good for recording podcasts I had to rest my voice since then uh, I've recovered I'm much better but then of course I went on a holiday to the States I went to New York that was amazing and I am preparing a podcast all about that which i'll be recording soon and uploading i'm going to tell you everything that happened exactly what it was like being in new york one of the most amazing cities in the world really i know it's a bit of a cliche to go to new york you know it's kind of like everyone knows new york is amazing but actually if you go there and have a look at it wow it really is stunning i mean it's like being in a movie so i will record an episode about my experience of traveling in new york and i'll tell you every little detail about that and to give you an idea of what it's really like in new york Um, so that's coming up i also have other episodes planned on different subjects for example i've got more stuff on british comedy i'm going to do something about monty python's flying circus and some other things maybe something on steve coogan i still have to finish the series of episodes that i have started about british slang remember that but I haven't finished that. That's that has to be done. Um, one of the more recent episodes I did was about uh, grammar and verb tenses, and I promised that I would finish that one off by going through pronunciation of sort of natural connected speech in the way that we pronounce sort of long verb phrases and different verb structures. So that's going to come up. 
And also, I've just got loads of other ideas in my head that I'd like to share with you. Um, but as I said in this episode, I don't really have any agenda. I'm just going to let myself go. I'm just going to let my mind take me wherever it goes. And I'm just going to talk to you because I've got a little bit of time. Just a little bit. Enough time for me to be able to just plug the microphone in and do something without planning it at all. And this is the result of it, okay? You might be able to hear some music in the background. I've got music playing while I'm recording this. I haven't decided if I'm going to keep the music track on the podcast or not. Um, Since this is just a kind of chance for me to give you some news, I thought it might be nice to put a bit of music in the background. Um, Maybe because you don't have to focus on every single word and so it's fine if there's a bit of atmospheric music going on. All of the stuff that you're hearing has been produced by my brother James so you know him, you've heard him on podcasts before Um, I have played you some of his music in the past but you're now listening to it and this is some more of his recent stuff I think it's pretty good, don't you agree? It's kind of instrumental hip hop what he does is he samples records from his record collection he's got a massive collection of vinyl records so he samples his vinyl he finds like really obscure little bits from songs samples them into an MPC uh, Akai sampler machine thing and then he kind of creates new bits of hip hop and produces these tracks and he's not signed to any labels or anything I think he's producing a kind of EP That's that will be a CD that he may be able to sell maybe one day he'll have some of these things pressed onto vinyl and DJs will be able to use them. I think they'd be really good with some rapping over the top, don't you think? Um, I think so. If you are a rapper and you're just out there and you've got loads of rhymes but you don't have any good backing tracks, get in touch with me because you might be able to use some of the music that you can hear that was produced by my brother Jim. He's brilliant, the music's great and it's a perfect accompaniment to Luke's English podcast I think because they're quite atmospheric, quite moody, there's no lyrics and so I could just talk over the top of it. I chose this selection here actually because um, I just really like these particular tracks because they sound sort of mysterious and atmospheric and when I listen to these tunes it always makes me think of kind of like um, a mystery story or a detective story. I've been thinking about this for ages, some kind of detective mystery set in like New York in the 1970s. One of these days I'm going to write this story. It's going to be a sort of dark, mysterious detective drama. Uh, and this is the perfect background music for it. I haven't written that story, so instead I'm just sort of talking nonsense over the top of the music instead. So it's not really any substitute, but still you get the idea. Right, so that's the music. Right, why why haven't I done any podcasts recently? Well, I've explained that I was ill, then I went on holiday, and now I'm back from holiday, I'm just incredibly snowed under with work. I'm snowed under, I'm up to my eyes in work, I'm up to my neck in work. Um, I've just got loads of stuff on my plate at the moment, which means that I can't devote like a solid afternoon to doing a proper podcast Uh, I've told you so many times before it does take quite a lot of time to produce a proper podcast what do you mean by proper podcast Luke all of the episodes of Luke's English podcast could be considered to be proper podcasts 
well not exactly because for me the really good ones are the ones that I sort of plan some stuff for you know I do a bit of research I plan things so that it's quite sort of structured and there's some genuine content and insight and depth in there that's that's what makes a prod proper podcast from my point of view but strangely enough from your point of view it might be completely different in fact as i've said before some of the more popular episodes are the ones where i have absolutely no agenda at all i just sort of talk off the top of my head i think personally that i should do some preparation before recording because otherwise i'll just go round and round in circles repeating myself um so not enough time why because i'm really snowed under with work Um, it's near the end of the university semester that's the main thing but uh, there are other things too right so end of the university semester that means that I had to produce a test for my students so I wrote a test I gave it to them a couple of weeks ago they all slaved away I've got something like 200 students maybe more and so they've all done this test the test involved a um, a reading section where they had to read a text and sort of write answers to questions. Some of the answers were quite in depth. They had to interpret the information. They had to, you know, it tested various different reading skills. Um, so there's the reading section. Then there's a grammar section where they had to answer, you know, various questions, testing their knowledge and use of grammar in English. And as well as that, there was a writing section. That's where they had to write about a th- about 300 words as an essay in response to one of the questions that I'd given them. Questions were about things like the political system in the UK, um, uh, debates over whether Britain should abolish its monarchy or not, um, the question of Scottish independence, Britain's position in Europe, and this kind of thing. Lots of politics and current affairs. Um, So what I now have is a huge pile a massive pile of exam papers on my table. Um, I've got something like 200 exam papers that need to be marked. 200, uh, 200 written essays of about 300 words in length. That's a massive amount of work. I, to be honest, I shouldn't be doing this podcast right now. I don't have time. I should be uh, marking all those essays, to be honest with you. I need to get started now because in just less than two weeks I've got to give the essays back. I have to give them all their results. I've got to grade them all. I have to grade their presentations that they did this year. So I've got tons of stuff to do. That's why I've, you know, my hands are are tied. and I haven't been able to talk to you on a podcast. Uh, that that also may account for the fact that this episode is uh, completely unstructured and I don't know quite where I'm going. I suppose I'm just telling you some news. In a perfect world, this would be a lot more interesting and fascinating than it actually is. I'm always aware that I want to keep you gripped in. I want to keep you locked in at all times. Locked into Radio LEP which is something I've just created. Radio LEP, what is that? Radio Luke's English Podcast. doesn't really make sense, because what is it, radio or is it a podcast? Well, it's a podcast, but I like to call it Radio LEP, just because I love the idea of radio. Um, what has happened to radio? It's still going strong, isn't it, radio? It's still great. It's still brilliant. In a way, I prefer radio to TV. TV's just sort of dull and boring and stupid, isn't it, these days? At least with radio, there's some something kind of pure about just 
talking into a microphone like this there's some genuine human connection that you can get from it radio is a really special thing you can just take a little radio with you wherever you are and you can listen to people talking listen to people presenting different bits of music to you radio is really cool also radio is like radio is much cooler than TV because think about for example the 1950s the 1960s the birth of like rock and roll music how was that music spread around it was spread around through radio shows um, underground radio shows or pirate radio shows things like that radio has always been the coolest medium I think you'll agree that's why I like the idea of like doing a radio show it's kind of fun and exciting and cool so uh, sometimes I sort of imagine when I'm doing Luke's English podcast that I'm doing some kind of live radio broadcasts, international radio station LEP. It sounds quite good, doesn't it? I think I think so. Yes. Um, so yes, the university semester is coming to a close, which means that loads of work has to be done. Um, but as well as that, I've also got another project on. Um, I've been writing a business English course for an Oxford summer school. Right, You know, some of you listening to this, you may have gone to summer schools when you were younger, maybe when you were a teenager or a student. Um, Britain has loads of really great summer schools for you know people to attend during the summer. They come to England, spend a couple of weeks in Oxfordshire and maybe study English in the morning and in the afternoon they do it different activities and stuff like that. Well, um, there's this one course at uh, a particular uh, summer school in Oxford which is for sort of older teenagers. They're about um, sort of 17 years old and the course is focused on business English. And they asked me, this college contacted me and they asked me to write the course for them. So I've, I started doing that in February. It's taken me months. I've written over 60 hours of, of course material. The course is all about business English. So um, business English with a specific focus on building your own business. Okay, So it's a combination of sort of business topics, vocabulary and business skills for things like taking part in meetings, negotiating, looking at finance, looking at international marketing, global markets and free trade and all that kind of thing. Um, and with combined with that, a sort of long-running project in which the students have to set up their own business. Now, it's, it's an imaginary business. It's not real. They're, they're not actually creating a real business, but they have to imagine that they're going to have to come up with a new business idea, uh, develop it, do some market research. That means going out into uh, the street and asking people about um, their preferences for this particular business idea that uh, the students will have to come up with. And then sort of developing a business plan for it and a financial plan. And ultimately, they will have to then go in front of a group of investors. The investors will be like teaching staff at the college. Uh, the students in teams will go in front of these investors and they'll present their business ideas. Um, with a view to getting an investment which will then ultimately allow them to make the business into a real profitable venture and then they'll all become millionaires that's the that's the idea so they're, they're learning about business they're learning all the right vocabulary that you need to run a business to understand concepts like leadership and management and also to to take part in meetings to do really good presentations and stuff like that so that's a massive thing I've just written the entire thing from 
scratch. So they have like uh, lessons every day in which they cover different business topics. Um, there's coaching built into the material for uh, developing a business plan and presenting business ideas in order to get investment. Ultimately, I think when these teenagers have finished this course, they'll be in a really good position at the end. They'll be much more um, knowledgeable and they'll have like this sort of basis of skills, this foundation of skills that they can use in the future to actually do business in English. I wish that I was a teenager so that I could do this course because um, even though I wrote it, I, I would love to do it. It looks fun. Um, so that's what I've been doing and I've almost finished that I just need to do just a few other things on that and then it's done Um, so there we go I also revealed in the letter that I wrote on my website recently that I'm getting married that's right congratulations to me I'm engaged I'm going to get married I'm sorry to all of the 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 girls out there who are heartbroken by this news Uh, I still love you all you know, I still love all of you, uh, but I'm I'm getting married. I mean, it's it's great, isn't it? It's great news. I th- yes, it is. Thank you for the congratulation, the congratulatory messages and things like that. Uh, that's happening next year, so we've got plenty. I've got plenty of time to get very stressed out about that. Uh, my cousin is getting married later this year, and I'm the best man. So that means that I have to come up with a best man speech which is worrying me already. I've, I've already had bad dreams and nightmares about not being able to think of any good things to say in the speech. I don't know what it's like in your country, but in the UK, the best man's speech is very important. They have to be very funny, and they, it has to be very touching and moving. Um, so it's quite a big task to, to do the best man's speech, so I'll be working on that. Um, so, yes, very busy at the moment. I hate to keep going on about it, but it just that that's my reason reason for being a bit quiet lately okay um once this work is out of the way i'll be able to get back on to doing more episodes of the podcast including phrasal verb episodes so i'm going to carry on with that and all of the other episodes that i've mentioned earlier on yes but that's it now okay i've I've pretty much given you my news i mean i've got plenty of other things to say but they'll have to wait for um subsequent podcasts i think um I love getting your messages and comments. I absolutely love it. Recently, I've been getting lots of comments on the website. The website's really taking off now. Every day, I get comments posted there. I get, I'm getting sort of between 3,000 and 4,000 views on the webpage every day, uh, which is really great. I passed a couple of big milestones recently. What's a milestone? A milestone is a, a marker of progress. Okay. For example, if you're traveling into the city, let's say 100 years ago, if you were walking into the city or traveling by horse, uh, every mile there would be a white stone placed next to the road which would give you an indication of how far you have to go before you can get to the city sometimes they write the name of the city like what london 15 miles for example so a milestone is a marker of progress basically so i've i've achieved or passed a few quite significant milestones for luke's english podcast recently uh just um, a few weeks ago the facebook page received over 5,000 likes which is great uh the website now has had over a million views i think i've had something like two million views on on youtube now now i'm actually um i've i've neglected my youtube page 
I have. Do, do you know what I mean? I've neglected it. I haven't paid enough attention to it. I've kind of let it go a bit. I haven't really been doing enough work on the YouTube stuff. Um, so that's something I'd like to do in the future, is get back onto YouTube and perhaps do a few video lessons. Because it, it seems that now that the quality of videos on YouTube has, has, has finally reached a, a high level, there are loads of teachers, loads of English teachers on YouTube. Have you noticed? This, the, the, the video quality is good enough and the, the teachers have started to learn how to teach on video and so now there's quite a lot of videos of people teaching English on YouTube and I thought I've got to, I've got to do that, haven't I? That's perfect for me. I mean I can use the stuff that I do in Luke's English podcast and put it on video, I'd get a new audience. I mean I'm not a bad looking guy, I'm quite kind of camera friendly you could say. I think that I should be on video. I should be a film star. Well, that's a bit far, but um, maybe I'll do some YouTube teaching stuff. Thing is, you need the right environment to do it. You need a good sort of uh, a well-lit space with a whiteboard. Um, it needs to be well-lit because if it's dark, then you look, look sort of like a zombie. It has to be very well-lit. There has to be a, a space where you can write on a board so you can teach directly. I'll work on that. I might be on video soon. Um, we'll have to see about that. Um, what, what else was I talking about? I can't remember. Um, what's going to happen next? Well, there's loads of stuff that's going to happen next. Loads of things. Um, yeah, getting married and all that. Uh, other things. Um, oh yeah, milestones. That's what I was talking about. Milestones. 5,000 likes on Facebook. A million views on the website. Over 2 million views on YouTube. And uh, soon I'll have achieved um, a million downloads from Audioboo. And I only joined Audioboo at the beginning of November last year. So that's, no that's like November, December, January, February, March, April. That's six months. And it's almost a million downloads in six months. Wow, that's brilliant. That's amazing, in fact, because um, I think in the previous year, I got something like 1.25 million downloads in the whole year, and I've got a million downloads in, in just six months now. So the podcast keeps getting more and more popular. Thank you. Thank you. Specifically you. Thank you very much for supporting Luke's English podcast. I suppose I don't really need to thank you. Ultimately, I suppose it's um I suppose it means that, that it's good, right? It means that the podcast is good. It's worth listening to. What I'd like you to do, ladies and gentlemen out there, is of course keep listening to Luke's English podcast. Keep sending your comments to teacherluke.wordpress.com. But also, if you could, it would it would be really great if you could go onto iTunes and leave me a review there as well, because iTunes is really important for the success of a podcast. Because I think most people use iTunes as their way of accessing podcasts on the internet. Some people use other programs and other podcatchers and things, but iTunes is the most popular one. Now, I actually have a very good. Um, ratings on iTunes that's like four and a half stars out of five which is really great um, but it it's it's always helpful to receive fresh reviews and fresh ratings so if you like Luke's English podcast if you feel it's helped you with your English and if you feel that you enjoy the episodes and that you have a good time when you listen to to Luke's English podcast then do go to iTunes and leave me a nice 
review there because it's going to help my popularity and it'll help other people find Luke's English podcast. Uh, what you could also do is recommend it to your friends. If you've got friends or family who are learning English, then why not suggest that they listen to Luke's English podcast on a regular basis? I think you'll agree it's a good way of keeping your English fresh. Um, and it's a new way of learning English, isn't it? I've gone into this before in previous episodes, but this is a really new thing. I mean, we've never had this before. We've never had the opportunity to connect to someone in another country on a regular basis, someone who talks directly to you over the internet. This has never been possible before. Our parents, your parents' generations, they had to like listen to BBC radio or they had to buy like tapes or vinyl records of people speaking English. It was really hard to access natural spoken English. And as a result, people didn't really develop their English properly. People used to use reading texts, like they'd read books and newspapers. And as a result of that, their English would be not quite right. The pronunciation was weird. They'd learn, to, they'd learn pronunciation from the way that words look on the page. But now, through the internet, it's possible to learn in a much more effective way. And perhaps the, the best way to do that online is to use podcasts, I think. You could watch videos and movies and things, but they're not speaking specifically to you, are they? And there are lots of podcasts for learning English out there. Um, it's up to you to find the one that works best for you. Hopefully, that's Luke's English Podcast. So if it is my podcast, I'd love it if you could just write a nice review for me on iTunes or anywhere else. If you have a different website or a different way of finding Luke's English Podcast, leave me a nice review there as well. It would be much appreciated. Um, do recommend it to your family and friends as well. Um, if it's for them, if you think that they'll like it, then suggest that they listen to this too. And... Um, Let's see. I think that's I think that's all I have to say. What I'm going to do now is uh, I'm going to stop talking to you and I'm going to play you a recording that I made um, a while ago. Um, I've got an American friend called David, and David is great. He's he's a really great guy. He's very funny. He's very intelligent. He works as a lawyer. I met him in Paris, but unfortunately, very recently, David. Uh, well, unfortunately for me. David um, moved back to the States. He's gone to live in Washington with his wife and his kid. He's moved. He's left Paris. So I miss David. Um, I did manage to grab David before he left and record an episode with him for Luke's English Podcast in which we just talked about some stuff in general. We had a couple of beers and just kind of talked about cultural differences and uh, differences between Britain and the USA and and what it's like living in in another country also I asked David about his multicultural history because uh, he's got kind of Colombian family um, so he speaks some Spanish he's originally from I think the south he's from the American south which is quite interesting in itself so I recorded an interview with David but unfortunately my battery on my recorder died after 20 minutes it's a real pity because i can't present you the whole podcast interview with david instead what i'm going to do is just give you the 20 minutes that i've got um, so unfortunately after 20 minutes it just stops 
and it's really annoying because it's just getting really interesting at that point and then the interview just stops because my batteries ran out but uh, nevertheless let me now play you 20 minutes of my um conversation with my american friend david um and i'll probably speak to you again at the end of that conversation and just say goodbye to you um so i'll, I'll speak to you again in a moment all right i'm going to stop the music as well in just a second so you'll be able to listen to the interview without any distractions if you do like this music let me know i might be able to arrange for you to get hold of some some uh like mp3s of this stuff too okay Right, so here we go. Let's uh, let's cut the music, and then you can listen to the interview. Bye for now. Speak to you soon. One, two, one, two, one, two, three. Now we need to try and um, try and get the level up uh, as, as much as possible here on this uh, on this thing. One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Let's say you count. In British English, how do you count in American English? One, two, three, four, five. No, well, yeah, five, and then some. I don't know. Six, seven. That's as far as we can get. Uh, once I got up to nine, but I was drunk at that time. Sure thing. So, um, uh, I'm sitting here in my flat with my American friend David. I've got another American person in my apartment. It's exciting, I suppose, in a in a not in any kind of weird way, but just in a kind of like cross cultural sense. How does it feel to to communicate with the British person? The word used was exciting, and I think that's that's how I feel, and I feel it in the other sense that you were describing earlier. Yeah, yeah, um, tingling. I feel it really, really a tingling feeling. I mean, it's exciting. It's like when I was going bungee jumping for the first time. Yeah, it's an, an adrenaline, adrenaline rush. rush. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, um, so what's your background, David? Which part of the states are you from? How how American are you? I'm that American. I'm I am the quintessential American because yeah. one of my parents is from Tennessee and the other is an immigrant, uh-huh. and so it's kind of, I kind of live the American experience by being. Both down home roots. Yeah, had a grandma that said, "Hail fire" and uh, uh, and, and that kind of stuff. And then my mom, can I speak English correctly? And she used to get <laughs> laughed at in the the drive through because she would say, "I would like a coke and then a sprite," when she wanted to say sprite, and nobody mm-hmm. understood her because we were in you know. Where's your uh, mom from? She's from South America. Okay, Spanish Spanish speaker from South right. America. Right from Colombia, and so she was a. One of the immigrants who came into the states, one of the many immigrants who have, uh, you know, made America the great nation That's that it right. is. Um, okay, when did she come to uh, the states? Then she came to the states in the end of the sixties, beginning of the seventies. Okay, That's an interesting time to arrive. Very, it was a fascinating time. So, my my dad met her in Colombia doing. That's a great story, actually. My dad meets her in Colombia because he's doing something like the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. He goes down there to help out underserved populations. Yeah. And at a certain point, he's he's called upon to build a school for underprivileged youth. Well, another group that was participating in this project was 
a group of sisters from the nunnery of something, Catholic school. Yeah. A senior in this Catholic school, my mother, was the shortest girl in the bunch. My dad, an American, close to two meters tall, over six feet, was the tallest in the bunch. And so at the end of the thing, at the end of the project, they have a dance. Yeah. And they say, ha, 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 the shortest and the tallest, they should dance. Yeah. That's how, that's how stories and are born. nine months later. Nine months later. <laughs> you were born. I was already two years old, so I don't know what happened, <laughs> but yeah, no. No, it's a great story. So they fell in love, and if I could just finish it, because it's romantic and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So then he's supposed to go, this, you said it was a tumultuous time. He was, my old man is supposed to go back to the States and sign up for, the du- for army duty. Okay. Wait a minute. Because of the draft. So wait a minute. Your your your. So your mum moved to the states uh, in the late sixties. Right. And then she worked um, for the church. No. This no, is I'm, you got it all. I'm confused. You, this is the first part of the story. You were in the bathroom. Let me back up. He, right. the father, is down in South America. Oh. She is in finishing up high school in Bogota. Yeah. Capital of South. They're building a church together. They build the church. Yeah. It's a ramshackle. Okay. To celebrate the building of the church, they have a dance. At yeah. the dance, the shortest, the tallest, they dance. Mm-hmm. Love is, love is a <laughs> But then he's called back by his government to w- go to war, to fight. So instead of going to war to fight, he says, not without my woman. Mm-hmm. So he's the one who's from Tennessee, the hills. Yeah. Is, I'm almost done with the story, but it's great. Yeah, yeah. So he's supposed to go into war. He's supposed to be drafted. And at that time, he didn't report for duty because he said, I'm not going to war until I get married. So the draft board comes to his house on the on the mountains of Tennessee and they knock on the door and a young man answers and they say John and he says yeah I'm John what, do you, what can I do for you and he says yes you're supposed to come to to the thing you didn't reply for duty show me your identification we're going to war shows the identification it's not John it's Wesley my dad's younger brother who wasn't called to the draft had answered the door and pretended to be my dad meanwhile my old man goes out the back door whoa 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 so so your dad when when the draft guys knocked on the door, that's right. The draft, of course, is when like you know young men are obliged to join the army. They call it the draft, right? And this also called a conscription. Conscription. Okay. So when the draft officer, let's call him, arrived at the door of your dad's house, your dad escaped out of the back because right. he knew that he couldn't be he couldn't be taken into the army because he would be taken away from the new love of his life. That's your exactly mom, it. and so he. So he got his younger brother to pretend to be him. Yes. And his, his younger brother gave, what, your dad's ID? No, no, he gave his real ID. Your um, younger brother gave his own ID. To buy time. Okay, as a way of, like, delaying them. Right. And your dad ran out of the back door? Right. Okay, and wh- where did he go? What happened? He went on a bicycle. He was up on a mountain called Monigle Mountain. He went up, he got on a bicycle and rode down to the train station... Yeah. Not train station, to the train tracks. There's not a place where you hop on the train to go for picnics. It's, they, they have trains for coal and cows, not for people. He hops on. Where, sorry, where was this again? Which part of America? Tennessee. Tennessee. Middle which is, Tennessee. Which is sort of like, uh, for me, in my mind, this is cowboy town. It's close. It's the south. It's definitely the south. There's a lot of people talking like this right here. Luke. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, <laughs> a lot of bass. A lot of bass in the voice. A lot of bass in the voice. Show that they're real men. So he hops on a bike, heads to the train, and he jumps in a car compartment and heads to Canada. Canada. 
In the meantime, what I, what I didn't tell you is that not only did he have one brother, he had four brothers. And they just gave, it was like a Laurel and Hardy sketch. Yeah. Mark's brother. They just kept coming out one after the other. <laughs> no, I'm John. No, I'm John. Right. And my grandmother's in the kitchen with the shotgun, you know. Really? Why has she got the shotgun? In case they go after my dad. It's, okay, well, this is America. This, this is, ten- is America. This is Tennessee. Yes. So she's like, you ain't going to get my John. I'm no. going to you down with both barrels of my shotgun. That's right. Really? That's exa- That's almost <laughs> exactly what Granny. Oh, my God. That's what she sounded like. Uh, and what happened to your dad then? Did he so escape? He, he escapes, gets to Canada, and eventually goes back to Columbia. Uh, he had nothing. He'd left, really, literally, with... The clothes on his back. Yeah. He gets to Columbia, knocks on the door and says, will you marry me? Whoa. Yeah. And, well, she said yes. She course. said yes. And the rest is history. The rest is history. That's amazing. Isn't it beautiful? It's the most romantic story I've ever heard. Yeah. And they say that, you know, there isn't enough romance on Luke's English podcast. Actually, <laughs> it's not that they say that. No one is saying that except me. I'm, a, <laughs> right. I'm just aware Right. That there is a lack of general lack of romance because whenever I'm English, you see, and we're not right. the most romantic people, we're pragmatic people. Right. It's illegal. Is it is romance illegal? It's, it's, not, just, it's just frowned upon. It's not illegal. It's just discouraged. It's just frowned upon. It's like, come on now, get back to work. Stop being romantic. There's uh, there's jobs to be done. That's true. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, I feel like when when the states we think about the English, we think about having a stiff upper lip. Stiff upper lip. Yes. I'm not really sure I know what that means. Stiff upper lip is the um, expression which is used to describe the attitude of the British, which is to be unemotional, to be um, under control, mm-hmm. and um, to be sort of rational and um, in control of yourself emotionally. So the upper lip, you know, obviously on, a, on your face, in your mouth, you've got two lips, the lower lip and the upper lip. For some reason, the upper lip, the movement of the upper lip represents your emotional state. I don't, I've, I've never really been completely happy with this expression myself either. Mm. But um, apparently if you have a stiff upper lip, that means the upper lip is kind of, doesn't really move. Right. And so it's this sort of old school English attitude, stiff upper lip. I find myself talking like that. Now, like Johnny, well, pull yourself together, boy. Let's get back to work. Right, righto. Right. I know that if I keep my upper lip stiff, I end up talking like that myself. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Now, back to work. Exactly. Now, if you imagine, for uh, you know, if you if you were to imagine that you were, let's say, a prisoner of war hmm. in a rather awful Japanese uh, war camp mm-hmm. during the Second World War, or uh, another another camp somewhere, maybe. Now, you've got two choices. Either you can just lose, you lose control of your faculties. Hmm. What bloody good is that going to do you? No. Instead, you keep the, keep the stiff upper lip and keep yourself together. It may be jolly hard work, but you certainly don't let it get, to you, get you down at all. Right. Just let's bloody get on with the show. Let's build a bloody bridge for these Japos. That's the, that's the uh, right. slightly racist, but uh, that's the attitude, the stiff upper lip attitude. They, so they, in contrast, a quivering upper lip would kind of, you know, if you're crying, I don't want to go to war. Right. Pull yourself together. Stiff upper lip. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the cliche. I think, I don't Have know. Have you ever seen an Englishman cry? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, oh, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, isn't it? Because when you talk about cross-cultural stuff like this, 
you know they they say oh the English you know the the the, the characteristic of the English is that they're reserved they're unemotional they have a stiff upper lip well it's not completely true because I know plenty of emotional English people you know especially when they get drunk <laughs> I don't know if maybe I'm confusing emotion with just violence <laughs> I don't know I think uh, smashing a beer glass against the side of a pub on a Friday night that's happiness that is happiness it's an emotional yeah, act sure. but it's, it's a violent act um, I think maybe the uh, it's fair to say that the English are quite reserved in comparison to other nationalities coming to France I have been rather struck by how um, and I don't want this to sound rude but how sometimes I find that the French with their Latin with a bit of Latin blood they tend to react more quickly mm-hmm. they react in a more passionate emotional way than us Brits where the, I, sometimes I think that the French react with anger or emotion before they think about it they don't really think it through completely huh. so for example one example of that is driving ah. Okay, so I find that the French are very quick to beep the horn beep beep they beep the horn more sure. quickly because they just get angry faster it's passion right. it's like get out of the way <laughs> for example but they don't really think it through because if you've got a t-junction that's where you've got uh, one main road and another road joining it and there's lots of cars on that main road and the driver arrives and he can't get onto the road so he stops the car another car comes behind him and he all he sees is one car in front of him not moving and he goes beep beep like why is there a delay and all he needs to do is look up a bit and see that look there's cars coming all the way down the Champs-Élysées that's <laughs> why you can't get it. that's why you can't go forwards but no they just beep first yeah. and sure, think it's later. short-sighted beep first and think later yeah, yeah. and I don't, a know powerful if, phrase. I don't know if that's just emotion that's just the, the fact that the French sort of express that frustration more readily and more easily they just let the emotion come out there and then and sort of think about it later for me as an English person maybe I'm I'm slightly more reserved and I think no hold back don't beep you know be considerate of others around you only beep if it's absolutely necessary right Um, hold your honk yeah hold your honk don't you know just just think it through so we let the mind control the heart rather than the other way around is that a bad thing or a good thing who knows but it's a lot less annoying to have less beeping there's less beeping right yeah that's a cultural culture shock thing I've experienced when I'm driving in Paris is that someone beeps and I think oh my god what did I do wrong mm. you know a beep is in England is much more serious than it is in France right. here it just means wake up here it's like uh, hello you know yeah. here but I interpret it as what the hell is wrong with you your parents should never have you know met each other right that, that kind maybe of thing I take doing, it as a deep insult right maybe you're dealing with some deeper issues Luke uh, maybe I am I mean do you think so yeah well you're crying now and so I feel like that's <laughs> <laughs> It's my English passion coming right. through in the, in the form of... Uh, traffic issues. Traffic issues. <laughs> Damn it! Um, how long have you been living in France now? Look, I've been in France for seven years. And sometimes uh, it feels like 20 and sometimes it feels like, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah, really? Yeah. You're still experiencing the culture shock or the culture confusion? Sure. Yeah. What? What? Give me an example. What things still baffle you, confuse you about life here? 
so many things. So many. Th- well, for instance, the other day I was uh, I was at a dinner that was meant to be just kind of a, a casual get together on a Sunday, and I approached the table and I was told that I was not allowed to sit at a, at a certain place. Yeah. The the hosts had decided who would sit where. Uh-huh. Uh And I I thought of it as kind of an informal. So this maybe I'm not sure if it's a cultural issue or if just a, if it's a if it's a class, I don't know what it is, but I was placed in a situation where I was told where I could sit, and as an American, I thought, no one tells me where to sit, goddammit. That's right. I have the freedom to choose. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to sit at the head of the table. Yeah. Because that might be that might be considered rude. It's too bold to move. It's like, I'm going right. to place myself at the head of this party. Right. No. But you wanted to sit, I don't know, near your, near your girlfriend, near your wife, right. for example. Yeah. Or somewhere else. You just, you wanted to choose... I'm American. I, I believe I have the right to sit wherever I want. Yeah, so my initial think, thinking was, first come, first serve. I got to this table first. I'm going to sit right next to that cheese because it looks delicious. Okay, you wanted to sit next to the cheese. Yes. That's what it was. My, wi- my wife, <laughs> I'll see her tomorrow. But this cheese was out of, the, out of this world. Yeah. I wasn't given that option. What, what happened then? What, you, you, you sat down. Right. You were like, I'm going to sit near the cheese. And someone said, uh, I'm afraid you, can, you cannot sit there. That is... Uh, the, that place is already uh, yeah. in a French accent. Right. That's a really good French accent. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, no, that, that was exactly it. Uh, excuse me, David. Uh, I can't do it either. She, yeah, I was told that I should move. Yeah. And what, this and place is near the cheese. It is reserved for the head of the household. Okay, so in France, maybe there is a rule which, sta- which states that the head of the household controls the, clo- cheese. Controls the cheese. Mm. And so... Uh, the closer you are to the cheese, the higher in status you right. are in the family. Right. I never realised that. Yeah. I'm going to have to check this out with my girlfriend's parents. Right. I'm well, gonna. What I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a, a dinner mm-hmm. with my girlfriend's parents and all of her family, and I'm going to put a big piece of cheese in the at the end of the table, and I'm going to sit next to that cheese. Yeah. But things like that won't work because they will think, oh no, this is Luke's House. dinner. It's Luke's his domain. House. So what I'll do is I'll choose the person in the family with the least, with the lowest status, and I'll right. put them next to the cheese, and I'll see what kind of chaos ensues, ensues as a result. Yeah. So have you have you gotten? Speaking of cheese, look, I'm curious. This is another one of the. Uh, it took me maybe two years, and mm-hmm. this is an embarrassing thing to say. I'm married to a French woman. It's embarrassing. It took me two years to understand that not all squishy cheeses that look like brie taste like brie. Yeah. There's brie, there's camembert, there's a hundred different kinds that kind of have the same crust. They're in this kind of pie shape. Yeah. They're thin. Inside it's squishy. On the outside it's this white crust. And some of them are just rank. <laughs> and so I used to buy these these cheeses that looked the same. I didn't pay attention to the name too much. Yeah. Because I thought they were different brands. Yeah. What, wait a minute. What do you mean by rank? Rank? Yeah. Rank is a term that we in the United States use. And we use it in, Amer- in, in America. We use it in England as <laughs> yeah. well. We say, oh, it's rank, mate. That cheese is fucking rank. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what does it mean for the benefit of the listeners? It means that it's stinky and that when, it, when you inhale or taste it, it causes your mouth to make the same action that it would if you were eating a lemon. So it's just disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's disgusting. Puckers up okay. like you're going to kiss something. So it's like when you eat a lemon and your whole mouth seems to shrink in size. That's right. Oh, it's rank. Ah, now in England, we use the expression rank to mean just disgusting. I could, you know what, I'm going to take out the, I'm going to 
come back on the lemon thing. That is my particular reaction, yeah. but I'm not sure that that's the definition. Okay. I was trying to I was trying to provide an explanation that was less definition and more personal. Yeah, that's your personal use of the the word rank. What's my personal reaction to a rank thing? Okay. Oh, that's rank. Oh, my face bunches up. It, yeah, yeah, it's true. When you when you when you come when you come across something that's rank, your whole face does change. Uh, no, yeah, that's the uh. that's the audible equivalent of the the face change, yeah. uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so your question is about cheese. Yeah. So my question to you, Luke, is: Have you become? Have you been able to distinguish the different kinds of cheese? This is a huge thing for your French family. I'm sure. I haven't really ventured into cheese very much. I haven't investigated all of the different cheeses. Obviously, in England, we have, you know. We have a, we have cheese as well, you know. We're we're into our cheese. We have lots of different types of cheese, but I know in France they're very passionate about cheese. Sure, they honk a lot when it comes to cheese. Yeah, they they're really into their cheese, and for example, it's cheese is one of the things that you smell when you're in France. Mm-hmm. You can walk down a typical street in a town, and there'll be like a boulangerie, so you'll smell the nice fresh bread, and there'll be a uh, what a boucherie, a, a butcher's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which uh, sells all the fresh meat. You'll sure. smell all the meat, and then there's always a fromagerie or a cheese shop, mm-hmm. and you can just, just smell this incredibly strong cheese. Um, first of all, I would say I like cheese a lot, but I'm not a big cheese like uh, expert or anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've come across various types of cheese, and I never know what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Except sometimes if it's Roquefort, which is like blue cheese, yeah, I know I know what that is, and I like that a lot. You don't really, like, you don't like blue cheese? I can't, I can't stomach it. Just, just for the listeners, you probably know what blue cheese is, but it's basically cheese which has uh, started to go mouldy. So it's, it's, you can see that there's blue or green patches in the cheese, and that's because the cheese is actually starting to go bad it's starting to go moldy mold is that stuff that grows on the side of a fruit when it's very old it also can grow on cheese but we've discovered over the years that moldy cheese actually has a very sharp uh, spicy taste to it and now it's a very common uh, delicacy sure it's a i think that it's an acquired taste a taste that you have to kind of have grown up with you slowly taste it and you get used to it yeah if you try it as an adult, it may be more difficult. I don't know. I can't. I can't bring myself to. No, you're not. You, you can't eat the blue cheese. No, no, no sir. Really? With a nice, nice beer or a glass of red wine and some no, bread. No. no, I can't convince you to, to nope. eat blue cheese. No. Nope. Okay. That's. Uh, nope. Uh, really? Not even a little bit. I'm drawing the line. If there's more, you know. I feel like it's yeah. That's the equivalent of raw meat. Oh, well, okay. So there's a line there. You're there's meat- a line. Do you eat raw meat, by the way? Okay, yes. I have eaten... <laughs> they have a thing here, tartare, yeah. which is raw meat. I've eaten that. Mm-hmm. And did you like it? <sighs> yes, Luke, I liked it. Okay. <laughs> so you're admitting that you eat the, the raw flesh of an animal. <laughs> um, well, when you put it like that, I'm, I'm a la- vegetarian. So I'm, I'm laughing because I'm sure there are some vegetarians who listen mm-hmm. to this podcast and, and they're like, I can't believe that uh, David ate the raw meat. Well... I know. How was it? Did you like it? It was good. I mean, what's the difference between raw meat and cooked meat? Uh, One's cooked. One is cooked. I mean, in terms of the kind of the vegetarian thing, yeah, that's the thing. So you kind of approach and you think, oh, this is different from what I'm used to. And then you try and attach a value judgment to it. Like, this is bad or this is a good thing to do. 
but in fact, in terms of kind of that kind of moral question about uh, I'm a mediator in the 21st century, there's no real answer there. Yeah. The only answer has to maybe to do with hygiene and then, you know, taste yeah. and texture. And the taste was okay. It was good. It didn't taste like cooked meat. The texture was okay. It didn't taste like a cooked steak. Yeah. Um, sort of softer and... Um, yeah, it was softer and uh, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, I'm sure that it's prepared in some certain way that allows it to be... Edible. Edible and, and yeah. enjoyable. Do you eat sushi? I do eat sushi, unless it has dill. You're not, you don't like the dill? No. Dill is a herb which is sometimes served with fish. Yes. It's like a long, thin sort of... It's herb. often served with salmon, I find. Yes. Do you say salmon? Salmon, I do. Everyone, as far as I know, in English, you should always say salmon. Some people say salmon in the United States. Really? Well, I, I have to say that I think they're wrong. I think it's they're a, probably it's wrong. It's a silent also. L. You don't say salmon. It's salmon. I mean, you, that's coming from... I mean, I'm qualified as an English teacher, so I, I hope that I have some uh, authority on that. But then again, then again, we know that the rules of English are defined not by some academy. They're not defined by Luke, Luke's rules of English. They're defined by what most people say. Mm-hmm. So... We'd, we'd need to do some sort of survey or look at the concordance of English and see how many people say salmon and how many people say salmon. Salmon is with the L, of course, and, but I say salmon without the L. I'm sure there's a rule somewhere I don't that says know, that it should be silent. I don't know if there's a rule. I think um, there might be, a, in the dictionary, let's mm-hmm. say, there will be a, a phonetic transcription of the word mm-hmm. and I imagine it will be transcribed if it's a very good dictionary, it, it'll be based on data. Data which has been collected from lots and lots and lots of sources uh, of written... Well, not written English if it's pronunciation, but lots of sources of spoken English. Mm-hmm. And it'll be well-researched, and they will decide, based on the number of times people say salmon versus the number of times people say salmon, mm-hmm. which one is general usage. And I would expect that it's salmon, not salmon. But as you say, some people in the States do say salmon. Mm-hmm. So who are we to say, David, that they're wrong? I feel like part of me wants to defend the minority position on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I, you know, I, I should say, I told you this in, our, in a couple of our first meetings. I always feel this kind of like my English isn't, isn't proper enough when speaking with an Englishman. But, but then again, there's more of us. Yeah, there's, there's many more Americans than there are Brits. So who's right? Isn't, surely it's the one with the gun. That's right. <laughs> but we've got weapons too it's just that um, you know we, yeah. we hold them back right. um, but um, it's a very interesting question about what's right or wrong in English um, and uh, as far as I'm concerned in English there isn't an academy mm. not like in French where they have the, the academy or, Spanish. Or, or Spanish or other languages where there is a, a group of um, academics who actually decide what is right and wrong Instead, certainly in the UK, we have the Cambridge, Cambridge University, Cambridge University, and they study records of how English is used. So the rules of grammar or the rules of pronunciation are written based on what everyone does, not the other way around, where, where you know, it's not, for example, um, here are the rules, therefore you must follow them. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's like, let's see what people say and then write the rules based on that mm-hmm. so the rules are not rules they're just it's it's uh, patterns of usage mm-hmm. so when we come back to the question of salmon versus salmon 
I think it's perfectly okay if there are enough people in a community, let's say, who say salmon, then that's all right. But only in that community, in the rest of the states and the rest of the UK, says salmon. Mm-hmm. So for my for my listeners, you should decide. Do you want to speak like a minority group in the states? There's nothing wrong with that, but you know, is that what you want to choose, or do you want to speak like um, the majority of English speakers and say salmon? So you you know, it's, it's up to them. It's up to my listeners to choose who they want to be like. Sure. It's the same with it's the same with. Do you want to be like us, or do you want to be like them? them. But there, there's also a question of consistency, isn't there? Because if you say salmon, then you might want to say walk, and you might, you know, there, where do you draw the line? Yeah. Unless you're actually living in that minority community, you start to get into trouble. When is the you know when do you follow these things? That's true. And also, unfortunately, if you go around saying salmon, then probably most people are going to think oh, he's saying that word wrong. Certainly, yeah. if you go to Britain. They're going to be. They're going to think. Oh, why is he saying salmon? Should be saying salmon. Right. If you're an English language learner, if English is your second language, that's an easy way to fall into kind of a what most people would consider a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think we're being very politically correct. I expect some listeners are thinking, why are they being so wishy-washy and vague and politically correct about this? Just tell us what's right and wrong. Um, but you know, in these modern times. It's not as simple as that, is it? You can't just say, all of these people are wrong. Right. Um, because uh, they've got a right to say a word in the way that they want to say it. But from the position of someone who's learning English as a second language, they do have to make a decision. Do they want to say what most people say, or do they want to kind of follow a specific group? Mm-hmm. It's like I get, I get learners of English contacting me and saying, should I speak with a kind of Cockney accent? Or should I speak with a Manchester accent? What accent should I speak with? And the answer is, well, do you want to sound like a Cockney? In which case, go for that accent. Uh, otherwise, if you want to just sort of be generally understood by everyone, then you should go for a more sort of non-region specific kind of standard English accent. Um, it depends on who you're talking to. Like if, if this person uh, is going to be working with Cockneys on a building site, then yeah, you probably should sound like them. You mm. should sound like the people that you're That's with. That's a good point, yeah. Because if you go into the building site, which is populated by lots of Cockneys, and you say, good morning, uh, good morning, Cockneys. Um, <laughs> now, uh, who would like a lovely cup of tea? Then they're all going to think you're an idiot. Instead, what you, should go, what you should do is go, all right, all right, guys, guys. I don't know. I'm, you know, I don't spend enough time with Cockneys. Um, all right, lads, who wants a cup of tea? Then they'd be more easily accepted into the group. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Neat. Yeah. Uh, so here's the one thing that's funny. Americans, for example, who moved to England, yeah. after a certain amount of time, uh, end up adopting kind of the English accent. Uh-huh. Madonna. And they, and they adopt Madonna. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, they, they, Madonna has done that? I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. She's, I haven't heard her recently, but certainly after... A f- she moved to England. She was married to Guy Ritchie, the film director. I see. Um, and she started speaking of this English accent. This, yeah. And and everyone thought she was an idiot for doing it. She was like, oh, yeah, I'm Madonna now, and I speak with this sort of uh, fake English accent. Yeah. And but I think that I think that it just kind of it happens naturally. Yes. I well, don't blame her for that. There is actually, with the case of Madonna, we don't know if it happened naturally or if it was contrived. 
I think most people believed that it was contrived that she decided to start speaking like an English person because it was fashionable for some reason. But no, you're right. The, often it's natural. Mm. There's a there's a thing. There's a process called accommodation, which is where when you are with people, you tend to speak like them mm. because um, you know you want to relate to them. You want to try and get on the same wavelength as them. And if you like them in particular, you will start to copy their speech patterns. And that's how we get regional dialects and regional accents that are specific to communities because they use codes of language and pronunciation and vocab as a way of bonding themselves together. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, in London, people sort of speak a bit like this. You know what I mean? I'm from London, mate. And then if you're from Manchester, you sort of, you know, you sort of speak like you're from Manchester like that and you don't go around speaking like a Cockney. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. That, unfortunately, is where the conversation ends. And it was really, really interesting, right? I mean, that was a fascinating bit in the conversation. I was talking about, what, accommodation. Accommodation, that's something that I've heard David Crystal talking about. And that's something to do with the way in which people in certain communities or or geographical areas tend to speak in a similar way to each other they end up kind of copying the way each other speaks that's like for example if you go and live in australia for a year if i went to live in australia for for a year i'd probably end up sort of speaking a bit like that at the end because um i'd start taking on certain aspects of the way that australian people speak because i'm trying to be like them um in order to sort of be part of that community um but that's it right okay that's it that's it for this one Uh, That's one hour of podcast, a solid hour for you to get your teeth into. A bit of uh, real conversation with uh, a friend of mine and some general news. But you're just going to have to hold on for a little bit longer uh, because this is all I have time for. I've got to get back to the work. I've got to do some marking, ladies and gents. Got some marking to do. So for now, it's goodbye. And I'll speak to you again very, very soon. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.wordpress.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.